0: Hi everyone, my name is Mal Surratt and I serve as the Associate Director of Campus Activities and Events at Clemson University. I'm also happy to be your host for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. We're also thrilled to co-sponsor this episode with our colleagues in the Student Career Development Knowledge Community. I'm fortunate to welcome three amazing guests today to discuss their recently released issue of New Directions in Student Leadership, Leadership Development for Career Readiness in University Settings. My first guest is Dr. Gail S. Rooney. Gail serves as the Associate Dean of Leadership and Career Development and Director of the center of the Career Center at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. She's also an adjunct faculty member with the Department of Counseling Psychology at Illinois. She has worked in higher education for over 30 years in a variety of positions, including administration, teaching, and counseling, and with a diversity of institutions, including community colleges, a small private college, and large universities. She received her Ph.D. in Counseling Psychology from the University of Illinois. My next guest is Dr. Kelly Smith. In 2017, Kelly became the Assistant Vice President, of Career Programs and Experiential Education at Binghamton University in upstate New York after serving as the Director of University Career Services for three years. Kelly has more than 24 years of experience in higher education, and has published extensively. She's also adjunct faculty for two departments in Binghamton and has taught leadership courses for 11 years. She has a master's in, in student affairs from Indiana University of Bloomington and a PhD in leadership studies from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She provides oversight of the Fleischman Center for uh, the Fleischman Center for Career and Professional Development, Center for Civic Engagement, Emerging Leaders, and Public Speaking Lab. Kelly is passionate about college student success, trends, and career services, student leadership development, and higher education. And our final guest is Dr. Gail Spencer. Gail is currently the director of the Illinois Leadership Center at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Previously, she served as an associate dean of student life and adjunct faculty member for the Staley School of Leadership Studies at Kansas State University. Gail also worked at the University of Notre Dame and the University of Houston. She received a Ph.D. in Student Counseling and Personnel Services from Kansas State University, an M.S. in College Student Personnel from Western Illinois University, and a B.S. in Business Administration from the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Welcome everyone.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such an honor. I'm already exhausted from, from going through your introductions. Everyone is so impressive, and I can't wait to can't wait to to learn from you all. So, uh, we'll just start here with a with a segment that will help folks understand y'all as as people and professionals a little bit better. So, Gail Spencer, um, can you tell me what do you love about teaching?
2: Um, I love everything about teaching except for grading papers.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> what I mostly love about uh, teaching is the chance to connect with college students, both undergraduate and graduate, in a really different way. Um, I always kind of describe it as a way for me to kind of talk and know and teach and learn from what I call a regular college student. A lot of times in our roles in higher education, um, we work with people that, like at our leadership center, who really believe in what we do, and they have a student employment experience with us. and so. their their experience is much different. They're a little more maybe plugged in than other students. So I like being able to hear what it's like for students Uh, experiencing uh, college at a university. Um, I like the learning for them and for me I think that's really salient and then I always like to hope that I can be another connection point for students. Um, We have a really big campus and I think sometimes students don't feel connected to any person there so I hope that they believe that I'm not a faculty member that they can't talk to, um, that they can't ask questions about maybe get some advice or guidance and then potentially be a reference for them later on down the line. But all in all, of all the many things I do, it's one of my favorite.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, Gail, can you have a conversation, Gail Rooney, excuse me, can you have a conversation over the noise of an ASCAR race? Uh,
3: Not really. Uh, (laughs) We use lots of hand signals, so I get pretty good at those. Uh, it is true, though, when there is an accident or a crash or uh, kind of a time when people are, uh, the drivers are coming in for pits, we are able to talk. So there are breaks in the noise uh, so we can get caught up. Uh, NASCAR racing, as I told you, was, uh, was something special for me because it's a family tradition. Uh, I have grandchildren ages 8 and 10 who probably know more of the drivers and the car number they drive for than I do today, and so it's fun uh, to have. Uh, we have really a family tradition. Uh, within NASCAR uh, I, my father actually uh, was this all began when he used to go to Daytona and uh, watch the races on race on the beach uh, what I love about NASCAR is I think there are many dimensions to it and there's lots of strategies from the pits to the drivers to the cars to the fuels and all of that and uh probably as important as anything is that I get to go to Florida in February every year because the Daytona 500 is coming up and in fact I'll be there next week.
0: Okay, great. Well, Kelly, speaking of Florida, hmm. what is the best ride what is the best ride at Disney World?
1: Oh, that is a difficult question. I was thinking about this. I think that um, for me personally, I love Soren. I love Soren in part because they incorporate the whole experience, even the smells and everything. You get it. I love traveling, so you essentially get to experience in different places. But, but I would say in a different way. Tied for that is Splash Mountain. In part, our family has made Disney World a bit of a um, regular destination. We're somewhat self Declared Disney junkies, and so Splash Mountain for us is um, there's a lot of nostalgia tied to that ride for 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 each of us because with three young girls, we remember every time each one of them was ready to to take the the big plunge that Splash Mountain offers. So so I would say that um, that one, I would say Splash Mountain might be tied. It's difficult to pick just one.
0: Okay. Yeah. No. I I understand when you really <laughs> love, thing, love things. Love things is hard to hard to hard to pick through hard there. To pick. Um, yeah. Gail Spencer. Speaking of uh, speaking of things that you love that are probably hard to pick. What is the best book about leadership?
2: Um, well, that is a loaded question, and so I I couldn't just pick one, but I have a sequence of things that I think uh, make sense, and I love all these books. The pinnacle quintessential book that started it all is called Leadership. It was uh, published in 1978 by James McGregor Burns. It was a Pulitzer Prize and National Book Award winner. He was a presidential scholar who, interestingly enough, was... Close with uh, President Kennedy, but he was the person who really started to talk about leadership in a different way and kind of launched all this. When you think about a great book today that is used in classrooms to teach leadership in colleges and universities, there's two that come to mind for me. Peter Northouse um, has a book on leadership theory and practice which is in its seventh edition and we should all be grateful to peter for his work because he's the person that really put together a nice Um, chronological look at leadership theory and practice and where we are today. Another book that's, um, I think, the most used or quite popular textbook is Exploring Leadership for College Students Who Want to Make a Difference, and that was by Comavez, Lucas, and McMahon. That's in its third edition, and there's four parts to that which really helps resonate to college students, and that's leadership for a changing world, exploring your potential for leadership, context for the practice of leadership, and making a difference with leadership. And they have nice practical examples for students to think about leadership. And then the fourth thing that i would plug is um, something that's really a favorite of mine and it's adaptive leadership and that comes from heifetz and linsky uh their work out of harvard it's used a lot when you look at community development and helping people think about how you make change in communities so those are my four picks but i love almost every book that that is um, out about leadership i read a
0: lot cool that's awesome yeah, the, this year is the 40th anniversary of, of James McGregor Burns' leadership, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, such, a, such, an, such an important book. So, um, okay, uh, Kelly, speaking of books, staying on, staying on the same general topic, a little different path, what's mm-hmm. the best book that you've read in the past year?
1: Um, I would say, let's see, if I had to pick one, I I think the one that maybe has just stuck with me the most, and it's not necessarily higher ed related, but is Hillbilly Elegy. So one tradition I started this last Christmas Eve was um, having each of our family get a book that they can open Christmas Eve, and then everybody can just kind of snuggle in and read a book. And that's the book that everybody got for me and so I read that over the break even though it had been out for a while it was one that I was wanting to to get to and so for, for me it was just a helpful um, insight into a culture that I would say probably not unlike some of our other vulnerable cultures feels that they're one that doesn't necessarily have a voice and is um, somewhat ignored, and so while you know I certainly didn 't grow up as a first generation student myself with significant privilege, I at the same time you know I know I was afforded some privileges that even in this particular culture, they definitely do not have um, on average and so a book by J. D. Vance, that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, but was essentially his memoir of um, kind of how he grew up and the culture that he grew up with in appalachia. and so it was it was great insight, it really stuck with me and resonated with me, and I think is just an, an important reminder that we have to recognize and realize. That even people that are, you know, maybe drastically different than ourselves, or just grew up in a different way, uh, that we we need to make sure we're giving voice to people that are in vulnerable situations and um, circumstances that might not be any particular fault of their own. So, so I'd say that I'm right now reading *The Road to Character* by David Brooks. One of our um, internship classes, they were, they were thinking of using that. So I'm. Giving that a quick read, I just started it um, a couple weeks ago, but it's um, and I'm only maybe about a fourth of the way through, but it seems like it'll be a pretty good book as well. And so I'm sure most people are familiar. He's the New York Times. Um, columnist and so wrote a book about, I think, a year, maybe two years ago, um, just on, on the topic of building character and I think can apply to people that work with college students in, in many ways.
0: Okay, neat. Thanks for, thanks for sharing those. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Gail Rooney, I'll have you close out this section uh, by just sharing with us, what is, uh, what's the strength of your golf game?
3: I like this, that my colleagues uh, talk about all these great books, and I get to talk about my golf. <laughs> um,
1: mm-hmm. and,
3: and the bottom line in that is that I really have no strong points in my golf game. I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I My handicap is, I think, as high as it can be, and that means that I get all these strokes. But I, I like golf because I'm, I'm able to be in the outdoors. Uh, it's usually in a beautiful setting with, green grass and trees and birds uh, singing. So I do enjoy that uh, as long as I don't get too frustrated with my golf game. Uh, And the other part is I'm getting a lot of exercise. Um, And, you know, when you swing 120 times on the course, you get a lot of exercise. And I I usually take about that many strokes to play. Uh, I think the other thing I like about golf is I, I am fairly competitive. So I like to be in competition with myself and with the others. And sometimes with the handicap system, I actually can win a little bit uh, on the little skins games that we play because uh, I get three strokes on a hole and I can get closer to that than some people that have handicaps much lower. So uh, I would not call them any strengths. I just like being out there.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. All right. Well, Galrini, let's transition you away from golf and NASCAR talk, and, and tell me a little bit about how the collaboration between the three of y'all uh, got started to do this new directions, uh, new directions, and student leadership issue, and uh, and what unique value did y'all find in the intersection between leadership and career readiness.
3: Okay. Um, I, I, I'll start a little bit with kind of my connection uh, of leadership and and career development. I I am a, a trained Uh, career counselor. Um, My research and study has been in career career development, so that that clearly is my grounding. But when I worked some 30 years ago at a a small private college, we had a generous donor who gave a million dollars to the college to develop a leadership scholarship for uh, like 50 students, uh, for the incoming students, and they would continue to get it uh, through the years. Until they graduated, but we did not want them to have this money without being given, uh, you know, some expectations of what they needed to do to develop leadership leadership skills over the four-year period. So we actually developed uh, a group of us a leadership development program that incorporated development of skills. Uh, provided experiences, expected experiences, incorporated mentors, and really focused on students transitioning beyond college to either uh, a work or, or further education. Uh, so I began there with a sense that there's an intersection of what we are doing. And then uh, when Gail Spencer came to Illinois as director of the Illinois Leadership Center, uh, I think there continued to be this synergy of similar processes that are involved in leadership development and career development and uh, leadership education I think we began talking about the competencies that we wanted to develop competencies has become a common word in the career services area career development area so we began to see more and more synergy uh, of bringing those together Um, and so Kind of the, the idea is that leadership education uh, can become the pillar uh, of students developing those competencies that can facilitate career readiness. Now Kelly and I uh, then have a uh, sheer background is really out of more the leadership. Uh, theory, literature, perspective, and but has been in career services and we've known each other. So uh, as all of that came together and then there was an opportunity to contribute to this source book, uh, it brought all three of us together. Uh, and I think the whole idea has been that uh, these are practices and processes and efforts at in higher education and that they can work together uh, to make very, to have very significant experiences for students and help them transition to further education, their careers. And of course, our career services community and the National Association of Colleges and Employers in the last three to five years have been talking a lot about career readiness, what employers are seeking in terms of the competencies they want for students to be career ready. So with that has come this, uh, I think, intersection of these fields and probably the uh, impetus for the, the source book that we have put together with a variety of writers across the country.
0: Okay, great. Um, Kelly, I uh, I wondered, Gail touched a little bit there on, uh, mm-hmm. on the idea of competencies, and I wondered if... Um, if you could share, how do you all think about the application of competencies in the context of leadership and career preparation?
1: Sure. Great question. And and you're right, Gail really touched on uh, a lot of the intersection that we have been noticing and really was largely some of the influence for the, the book. But um, just, you know, a little more detail on that. You know, in the, the area where we've both really cut our teeth in career services, our association, National Association of Colleges and Employers, or NACE, did, um, you know, a couple of years ago, they came out with a set of seven, and now it's become eight competencies that they have identified based on surveys that they've done with employers over a pretty uh, long period of time, over 10 years. And there was a committee that came up with these that they feel our students and graduates all need to have really in order to be successful and competitive in the labor market. And, and and among those, one of them is leadership. And I think you could argue that there are a few others that relate to how we often define leadership or leadership education or or parts of leadership education. And, you know, as a result, this has spurred uh, quite a bit of work in our field in terms of um, helping us re-envision how do we more clearly articulate some of the work we do, some of the things that are happening on our campus um, to, to really further those competencies and the development of those in the students and, and assessing those as well. And at the same time, one thing that you know, I think we discovered in, in preparing this book and starting to re- read through some of the chapter drafts is there, there's significant overlap in the area of leadership education as well that already had been happening um, for some time. So one of the chapters, which is by Corey C. Miller, is um, <coughs> noting some of the work that she's done prior where she did a pretty significant um, study looking from a little bit of a different angle, but analyzing um, over 17,000 learning outcomes from over 500 accredited academic programs. So she went more the route of looking at the the learning outcomes and, and competencies that academic programs have within the U.S. identified as competencies. And so, what was just interesting to us is a lot of things are happening. Um, there's work being done in academic programs already to develop these. There's work being done outside of academic programs, but there's not been uh, a significant amount written about it. So that, that's somewhat motivated us, too, for the writing of this, but I think has also um, really helped us Understand that there there was a little bit of a need for a conversation around this. So so one of the great things though about all of it is that um, you know regardless of which angle this was coming from, there there's a lot of innovative things that are happening across the camp uh, or across the country at campuses. So whether it's you know formal academic internship programs being looked at and mapping. Competencies to student evaluations, both by employers as well as the perhaps faculty advisor, um, to different programs and retreats that are targeting these specific competen- competencies that have been identified. Um, it's, it's an exciting time in that regard, and so. So we all know um, in our work and in all of these fields that it's very important to be developing students to get prepared, and and that's not at the expense of the traditional liberal arts education and learning for learning's sake and the value of becoming a, a you know a positive citizen and all the other great things that result from a traditional liberal arts education, and it's certainly not to. Not intended to say that our students need to become um, or that schools need to be more like a trade school or anything like that, but at the same time, we need to recognize that we do need students to graduate and have some of the skill sets that we know employers in industry are looking for, and we know that students and their parents are coming to college now expecting that and so um, so it's a balance, and um, that's that's some of the importance though behind it.
0: okay, neat um, gail spencer i was I was hoping um, during our preparation, someone made the observation that Both of these areas, career readiness and leadership development, are challenging students to be strategic in the journey towards meeting. I thought that that was a a powerful idea and wondered if you wouldn't mind expanding a little bit on it.
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. And some of what I'm going to share probably ties into what people have already um, talked about today. Um, When we think about today's college students, um, one of the things is that they really want to make a difference in the world and in their work lives. So kind of with that as an underline, um, to me, when I think about career readiness and helping a student prepare, I almost look at it as kind of a visual, kind of more innovative thinker sometimes, like a game of life. Like I've always in my head seen this uh, board game where they start at college at the beginning and there are things that they can do to help them progress to the career they want while enhancing their college experience so I, I feel like what this all comes down to is the second someone steps on campus they need to think about they don't necessarily need to know exactly what kind of career they want but they need to understand that there's all these wonderful opportunities that exist and resources that are available for them to go through and have this experience and at the end of college, they should hopefully be really well prepared to transition into their work life. So some of the things um, are pretty pretty standard maybe through career services, and that would be developing a resume or in a cover letter. Maybe practice interviewing, attending career fairs, job shadowing, working on trying to get internships over the summer or during breaks. And then there's also this part that's kind of tied more to leadership development, and that's involvement experiences, and that's being involved in your residence hall, uh, joining a club, holding a leadership position, running for office for something on campus, having a job on campus, and thinking about leadership training and development opportunities that exist, whether it be through a formal leadership program, experientially, I can't talk today, um, in a club or organization, um, or something like that. And then the last kind of layering on that is for us to help students Understand that employers have career-ready competencies, which Kelly already referenced once, that are important, and that students can look at what those are and develop uh, program or develop experiences for themselves that help them gain experiences in those competencies, and then being able. To articulate those experiences for when they interview and also just understanding when they transition into their career that they know what those skills are they know how to use them and they feel confident that they can do it so that's kind of the piece of that the other part that I would add to that that when I think about all this um, there happens to be a, a book out the Stanford D school or Stanford Design School has some really great stuff that they're doing and two people that work there, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, have a book called Designing Your Life, How to Build a Well-Lived Joyful Joyful Life. And I found that um, in the classes I, one of the classes I teach, that's been really helpful for our students to really think about how they're going to have a well-lived life. And I think that that layers on top of all that as well. So there's lots of things to think about there, but it's a journey, and I think all of us on campus need to start thinking about how we make a student's journey more meaningful and impactful.
0: Okay, all right um, Kelly uh, you made uh, in our again to to circle back to our preparation for this conversation, you made a really interesting uh observation that I felt like on on the surface was was standard but um, but i I think. The way that you phrased it and, and and sort of reflecting on it reveals something deep about our institutions. Do you mind sharing about how good we are at being siloed?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, one of the things as we were working on this book, and I was starting to allude to it earlier, that for me just really reflected how easily siloed we are at our institutions. And I'm certainly saying ours is not alone um, because of this example, it was just shown to me. But as we were working on the book and Corey C. Miller's first draft came through and I was reading about the work that she had done already around student leadership competencies and how much it related to some of the work that NACE has done. And so I was sitting there thinking, all right, I'm a person that has my PhD in leadership studies, I've taught leadership courses, and you know, I certainly work with our office on campus that does some leadership development, but I had no idea um, about the... A huge overlap of the work that she was doing with what our association, NACE, was doing. And so it just made me think that here that office on campus was probably using that. We were using the NACE competencies, and we're just a floor apart. And so the way we're structured um, within institutions, that it's often that we might not have significant interaction Um, you know, with other offices that have quite a bit of overlap in several different areas, unless you're very intentional and seek that out. And I think that you know, even though our campus tends to be very good about that and and um, we do try it at the same time when you have different associations, sometimes you have different reporting structures, sometimes you may not even be within the same division, it can make it pretty difficult to realize that that there is enormous, you know, overlap and um and great ways that collaboration can be happening. So so for me, you know, it was just reflective of how much more intentional even, um, even though I thought we were pretty darn good at it at our institution, um, and I think even our, our Career Center has been extremely intentional in, in partnering with other offices across campus, in part because we had a culture of career initiative and we're really trying to embrace others that were doing work along those lines. I still realized we had huge gaps. So I think you know, for a variety of reasons, often we're fairly siloed. Um, I do think that there are ways that we can um, be even better at it. So for example, right now, our Vice President of Student Affairs really ch- decided um, with our leadership team, five different topical areas that we all wanted to really tackle and address for this academic year, one of which is student employment. So what we did is have teams identified with people not just even from only within the division, but also from across campus um, in order to really tackle these topics. So the one that I'm co-chairing, which is on student employment, brings together people from all different areas of campus to identify ways we can better the student employment experience. And of course, much of that is focused on getting our students more career ready and um, even gaining leadership skills. But it's amazing to me, you know, how busy we are and how that often affects how much we're able to um, interact and work together in order to make the experiences better for our students unless we are extremely intentional and make time for it so um, so it's just something that as we were working on the on the book it it really hit home for me personally
0: okay um, Kayle Rooney, something that I uh, think about a fair amount um, and something that I think is really interesting to discuss and and sort of the nexus between these two ideas is uh is student employment, so what role do you think that that uh, what role do you think that that, that idea really plays when, considering, when continue, considering student leadership development and career readiness?
3: Uh, very good question. I, and I think, in essence, uh, you are correct that student employment really is at that nexus between uh, kind of traditional leadership development and, and career readiness as we're talking about it today. Uh, and I think it's probably often a missed opportunity in a higher education uh, for the professional development and career readiness of our students. Um, There's been uh, some research in the past, and uh, we have found that uh, students who worked off campus had significantly higher gains in leadership capacity than their on-campus employees. And I think that strikes that here we are uh, on our campuses. And we often employ thousands of students, or certainly a large percentage of our students, and we are not taking advantage of that as a way to develop the leadership uh, capacity of our students, as well as, I think, the career readiness of what they do. Um, So, And and I think what happens there is sometimes in higher ed, we, we have a job and it's at our front desk or it's a resident advisor or someone at our dining service, and we say, here's the job, the, the duties you must do, and the, the, the different aspects of that. But we do not often have conversations with our student employees about, okay, with this job, these are the skills, competencies that you will be developing that these are skills and competencies that can and will probably be asked about by future employers or by future graduate uh, programs. So I think we can have a much more intentional effort in our student employment with having positions in work that we emphasize the competencies and skills being development being development, developed Plus also using it as a professional development opportunity to say to students, what, what are you learning? What are other skills you want to develop? How would we make this job more meaningful and valuable to you? And so I think with a much more intentional effort for our student employees to have a professional experience that can be translated to the world beyond college. It is really a significant place uh, intersection uh, that we can make a difference. What we hear employers often saying is that students will say, I-, "I have this skill and I have that skill," or "Here's my resume, which is a list of just these experiences." And what we, what they say they want is we want to hear the story. We want to hear how those experiences are connected. To the competencies and then how and where and how are you, what are you going to do with those in the future? And so student employment for me is, is the, is one of the places on our campus in which that is an obvious intersection nexus of leadership development uh professional uh experiences and an ability to articulate how I am career ready for the next phase of my life. So I think it is a very important intersection. And uh our two authors, uh Sarah Hansen and Beth Hogue, who have a chapter on uh student employment, I think make a very solid uh case and examples of how we can do that in an intentional and very impactful uh way.
0: Okay. Gail Spencer, uh, close us with this. As the resident, and I, I, I put quote unquote leadership person, can you talk about y'all's collective conclusion about it being our duty to all work towards career preparation and leadership development?
2: Okay, great. I'll, I will try to do that. When I was thinking about this question, at the end of the day, I think that we all believe that the most important important, or one of the most important things that we all come to working in higher ed and student affairs is the holistic development of our students, and that's really our commitment. And so when you think about that, this is all part of that as well. Um, When you think about higher ed and everything that's going on today, we all want to prepare students to be successful in their work life. Um, when you look at the eight NACE competencies, leadership is one of them, and we know that our students need that to be successful in the world of work. And then when you kind of complicate this or add on to that, just the idea of a value proposition that's expected from families today when their students come to college because of the cost of college, the student debt, they are wanting a return on investment, um, there's a public demand for accountability the reality is we all need to work together to make sure that our college experience is very meaningful for the students that go there for public universities there's going to be less state funding and we're just going to need to collaborate more so for those reasons it's one reason that we need to all work together but at the heart of it to me is we, we owe it to our students to make them be able to go out into the world of work and be really successful. Um, And leadership educators can work with career development colleagues to help students gain those really critical skills and competencies that they need, and we can work together to help them understand why they need them and how they can articulate that to their employers. And so we can help make them more ready for the world of work and help them transition successfully. So I guess my final kind of statement, and I, I'm kind of pounding this home here, is we all are... We owe our students this, and we can prove that leadership training and development helps um, through assessment, and then when we all work together, we can create um, experiences for our students that really enhance their overall experience at our colleges and universities and make them really prepared to go out into the world of work.
0: All right. Well, what what a great note to end on. Uh, So thanks, everyone, for joining us for the NASPA Leadership Podcast, uh, presented by the NASPA Student Leadership Programs and Student Career Development Knowledge Communities. And thanks to Drs. Gail Spencer, Gail Rooney, and Kelly Smith. Please go access the most recent issue of New Directions in Student Leadership, Leadership Development for Career Readiness in University Settings. It's an amazing resource and such a powerful argument for working with colleagues to better prepare our students. You can get more information about the Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community on our various social media outlets, including facebook.com backslash SALEAD, on Twitter at NASPA SLPKC, and on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. You can also connect with the Student Career Development Knowledge Community on their Facebook page. Finally, you can find me on Twitter at Miles, that's M-Y-L-E-S underscore Surrett, S-U-R-R-E-T-T. And uh, finally, if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, we'd love to hear about your program. So please shoot an email to nastaleaderpodcast at com. Thanks, everybody.
1: You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very
3: much. Thank you.